Today from the Global Lane, Chinese genocide against the Uyghurs. Hundreds of thousands of Uyghur and other Turk women have been sterilized with 3.7 million babies forcibly being aborted. Coming to America, the Biden effect on U.S. immigration. Uh, just make it across the border. It's likely that ultimately you'll be allowed to stay forever. Executive action on climate change. Keystone pipeline stopped. What about the jobs? We are getting in deeper debt as opposed to putting people, trying to get people back to work. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. One of Mike Pompeo's final actions as U.S. Secretary of State was to designate China's treatment of ethnic Uyghurs and Turkic people as genocide. The Biden administration also supports that designation. So what does it mean? What is next? Well, under terms of the 1948 United Nations Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, the designation requires uh, nations to take action. So here with more is Prime Minister in exile for East Turkestan, Salih Hudayar. Salih, it's good to talk with you again. So first, for our viewers and those unfamiliar with the plight of the Uyghur people in East Turkestan, explain what is happening in that region that China calls Xinjiang province, why it amounts to genocide. So China uh, invaded and occupied East Turkestan in late 1949 and began to colonize it. Uh, however, over the past 71 years, um, its colonization of East Turkestan developed into genocide, in which, starting about 2017, millions of people were thrown into uh, what China calls re-education camps, but what are actually uh, concentration camps, where they are forced to denounce their ethnic and religious identity, uh, forced starvation, forced medication, uh, both men and women have been raped in these facilities. The Chinese government is uh, harvesting the organs of select uh, Uyghur and other Turkic prisoners. And hundreds of thousands of Uyghur and other Turkic women have been sterilized by the Chinese government, in addition to uh, over 3.7 million babies forcibly being aborted uh, by the Chinese government. And all of these constitute as genocide as the uh, defined under the uh, UN Genocide Convention and as defined under uh, the Elie Wiesel Genocide Prevention Act and uh, Section uh, 1091 of the U.S. Code uh, on genocide. Well, I, I want to talk about that forced sterilization again in a minute, but I know you've told us before about those concentration camps and prisons, and you have a map where you found close to 400 in total, where at least you say 3 million Uyghurs are being detained by the Chinese. So tell us a little bit more about that and the forced labor and the re-education they're enduring. So initially, the Chinese government began to send, up send millions of people in the concentration camps to, uh, you know, forcibly uh, brainwash them while also, you know, killing a select number of them for um, their organs. However, in recent years, especially uh, with the coronavirus pandemic, China has begun to shift to using them as slave labor. In fact, over half a million people were forced to pick cotton uh, during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, whereas millions are still, um, you know, working in slave labor factories, producing, you know, products for uh, companies like Apple, Nike, Costco, and uh, dozens of others. I know that Twitter 
recently actually locked the account of the Chinese embassy in Washington, D.C. after it tweeted that Uyghur women had been emancipated by government policy from being, quote, baby-making machines. Your reaction to what happened? Um, this was a dehumanizing tweet, and we are, you know, happy that Twitter has uh, blocked or uh, barred the uh, Chinese embassy from uh, tweeting, uh, from using its account. However, despite this, there are numerous other Chinese uh, state-run uh, accounts or state-run affiliated media accounts that are continuing to spread uh, propaganda dehumanizing the Uyghur and other Turkic peoples in East Turkestan. Okay, Sally, so we have that genocide designation now. What should the Biden administration do? How should the U.S. respond? One thing that we're urging is that the Justice Department uh, implement uh, Section 1091 and prosecute China's diplomats in the United States, including its uh, ambassador, Su Tiankai, for um, genocide, while also urging other countries, uh, especially American allies, to recognize the atrocities of genocide and to take this to the UN uh, Security Council and urge the UN to uphold its genocide convention. Um, there needs to be real strong, real strong actions that need to be taken uh, to stop this. There is a lot of Chinese involvement in Middle East nations, especially Muslim ones. Uh, so how come your fellow Muslims aren't speaking out about this? I'm thinking in particular those in the Middle East uh, who are working deals with the Chinese. Your thoughts? Um, again, this is, they're all working, you know, um, for their own economic interests. Um, so they're ultimately turning a blind eye and in many cases selling Uyghurs to um, the Chinese government. Uh, Turkey, in fact, is, you know, uh, has an extradition treaty with China and they are deporting Uyghurs and there are rumors that they're about to deport even more Uyghurs um, in exchange for, you know, the corona, uh, the uh, coronavirus vaccine from China. Okay. Sally Hudayar, East Turkestan Prime Minister in Exile. Thank you, Sally, for taking the time to be with us again. Thank you for having me. Caravan broken up. Border police stopped Honduran migrants from crossing into Guatemala this week. Thousands of people were traveling northward in hopes of entering the United States now that Donald Trump is gone and Joe Biden is in the White House. So what does the future hold for these migrants and others like them under the Biden administration? Well, joining us is former U.S. Congressman John Hostetler. Mr. Hostetler is former chairman of the House Subcommittee on Immigration, Border Security and Claims. He currently oversees immigration issues as vice president of federal affairs at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Congressman, thanks for being here with us. Joe Biden wants to send $4 billion in aid to El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala to keep migrants from coming to the U.S. What do you think of that idea? Well, it's, it's a, a policy that's, that's been long uh, tried and failed in all uh, types of forums, all types of situations. And the simple fact of the matter is that $4 billion is not going to buy uh, the, the peace and prosperity that is uh, evading the, these countries in the Northern Triangle. They have significant issues with regard to crime uh, and, uh, and general violence. And uh, I, I don't believe that this is, that this is going to help. And, and we know for certain 
that the people uh, in these countries do not believe it's going to help because they're not waiting for the money to come there. They are, they are heading north and, and uh, at this point at least, finding some significant resistance to their, uh, to their coming to the southern border of the, of the United States. And I know there are some people who wonder if that money will ever get to the people there. It might end up in some bank account or something somewhere and somebody else getting it. With 450 miles of border wall completed now under Donald Trump, Joe Biden is putting a halt to additional wall construction. He wants to restore the catch and release program as well. So this week, a federal judge in Texas just stepped in to block, at least temporarily, Biden's executive order that halts deportations of illegal immigrants. So your thoughts on all of this? Well, um, in conversations with uh, folks at the Border Patrol, with the uh, uh, Customs and Border Patrol Agency, uh, we know that infrastructure uh, projects like the wall work. The Border Patrol uh, needs three things to do their job. They need uh, infrastructure, they need technology, uh, and they need personnel. Uh, tip, you might say, uh, and and they believe that the wall uh, was and is a significant uh, force multiplier for them. In that, the wall doesn't stop everyone from entering the country illegally, but it it does put a a block on significant immediate entry, and it gives border patrol agents the opportunity, the uh, ability to make it to the place where they are likely. Uh, to illegally enter, enter the country, and Border Patrol can interdict them there. Now, with regard to the the, the, the recent uh, temporary restraining order that the district court judge in Texas has placed on the, the, the Biden administration, the Texas court judge highlighted the fact that, in fact, this pause is effectively a violation of federal law and has given uh, the parties 14 days to, to return to him uh, and 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 reconsider this. And what do you think about Biden's plan to eventually grant citizenship to at least 11 million illegal immigrants? I know that uh, presidents often take executive orders because Congress has failed to act on on immigration. So what do you think of that? The laws are as they uh, are established right now, and and uh, in order for uh, uh, amnesty uh, legal status to be given to these uh, mil millions of aliens who are in the country unlawfully would take a, a, an act of Congress. And um, uh, and it's, that's unlikely to happen. And one thing uh, that sticks in my mind these many years since I was chairman of the subcommittee you mentioned earlier, the Subcommittee on Immigration, Border Security and Claims, was the particular testimony of a sheriff at that time of El Paso County who uh, was a Democrat. He said, if you give 12 million uh, individuals uh, the opportunity for legal status after they have uh, broken the law to come into this country, he said th the next group is is soon to follow, because they will have seen that that uh, uh, that if you just make it across the border, and that's and that's a, a very similar uh, signal that was given with this with this 100-day uh, moratorium on deportations. If you just get in the, uh, just make it across the border it's likely that ultimately you'll be allowed to stay forever and be given a, a legal status. And so uh, this, this situation with a proposed amnesty is going to do nothing but cause more chaos at the border. Uh, and we at the Texas Public Policy Foundation are striving to make the border secure. And after the border is secure, 
Then we consider all of the other aspects of immigration reform, including uh, what to do with all the people that are here uh, illegally. But we cannot do anything uh, about the individuals who have come here illegally through a porous border uh, until we secure the border. Okay, well, it looks like you have your work cut out for you. Former Congressman John Hostetler, Vice President of Federal Affairs at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Thank you, John, for sharing your time and insights. Great to be with you, Gary. Thank you. Hundreds of thousands of U.S. businesses have closed since the start of COVID-19 lockdowns. Maybe 500 per day are closing permanently. And 11 million Americans are still unemployed. But there's some good news in California, where Governor Gavin Newsom is lifting his stay-at-home order and allowing outdoor dining. Well, meanwhile, President Biden has issued a number of executive orders that will affect the way Americans do business. Here to set us straight is national radio and TV host of Financial Issues, Dan Celia. Dan, it's so good to see you in this new year, but I guess it isn't so new anymore. We're nearly into February. So Joe Biden's already signed many executive orders. They include halting the Keystone Pipeline, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, another round of stimulus checks, also a Buy America program. So what effect do you think all of this will have on the U.S. economy? I think it's going to have a negative effect, uh, Gary, probably in a fairly significant way. Not right away. I think it's going to start impacting things as we head into the summer, just coming out of the summer. Uh, none of this is going to be good for the economy, but it's not each one of those things you mentioned individually. It's the attitude about the economy that is going to be developed in consumer sentiment and business sentiment. And that's what eventually is going to have a dramatic impact on the economy. I think most businessmen now, most individuals, probably realize that we have to see higher taxes. He's already said he was going to raise taxes. Uh, and and uh, Janet Yellen said last week that she is not going to make let the dollar be pegged to anything but the markets. So if the markets go down, it's not going to be good for the dollar. Now, she'll get to blame the Wall Streeters and the fat cat bankers to uh, quote President Obama. And every time a move like this is made, where we are getting in deeper debt, we are spending more money as opposed to putting people trying to get people back to work, it just sends a bad message to business people and individuals. And speaking about business, Dan, what do you think of the cancel culture that is now bleeding into business? We've seen Bed Bath & Beyond and Kohl's ban the MyPillow products from their stores because of CEO Mike Lindell's comments about voter fraud and Donald Trump. And Goya Foods has also censored its CEO for the same. Is this a new trend or will it eventually fade away? No, I don't think it's going to fade away. I think it's going to be here to stay. Uh, it's not going to fade away until CEOs start standing up to it. When you look at Kohl's and other department stores that are keeping people from coming into the stores, their CEOs ought to be immediately fired. They've got one job, add value to the stock and make sure that you can bring people into the store. As soon as you start eroding that away and alienating people, people aren't going to be alienated 
because they can't buy my pillow in the store. It's the uh, ideology of all of that that's going to alienate shoppers. And retailers are in enough trouble, and the idea that they're doing this is just ridiculous. Target knows what effect that can exactly. have. Didn't they lose like a billion and a half dollars uh, after they made the bathroom decision? So what do you see happening to the American economy yep. in the longer term, Dan? I think long term, uh, it almost has to get weaker, uh, Gary, because I think that we are going to see these kinds of things be encouraged and continue. I think we're going to see regulatory burden. And the average person doesn't understand uh, how regulatory burden impacts businesses. It dramatically impacts them. And things like uh, regulation on minimum wage and those kinds of things as well are going to hurt a lot of businesses. And they just won't hire, they'll go out of business, uh, they're going to cut back the workforce, they're going to employ more automation than they ever had before. So all of this is going to be bad for the economy. We're going to have less people working, we're going to have uh, less tax dollars from payroll tax coming in, and we're going to be paying more money out for help that people are going to need. Again, I go back to the consumer sentiment, the business sentiment, Gary, because ultimately all these things that you just mentioned are going to impact that sentiment. And right now, the only reason we can go through the next six months and it not impacting us too bad is because the underlying fundamentals of the economy are still very strong, and it's going to take a little while to beat them up enough that we really start losing ground. Okay, Dan Cilia, national radio and TV host of Financial Issues. Thank you, Dan, for setting us straight today. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Gary. Thank you. The people of the United States are facing some serious problems. The COVID-19 virus is claiming more lives. Shutdowns are bankrupting businesses, and millions of Americans are still out of work. So what is the highest chamber of the People's Assembly, the U.S. Senate, doing? preparing for another impeachment trial for a president who no longer holds office. Let that one sink in. Folks, let's set aside our like or dislike for Donald Trump for just a few moments here and consider what Congress is doing. This is what the U.S. Constitution says about impeachment in the case of removing a president from office. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. The Democrats have already stated that their goal is to prevent Donald Trump from running for office ever again. But conducting an impeachment trial after a president leaves office is unconstitutional. Liberal Harvard Law professor Alan Dershowitz says the Constitution is clear. The Senate can remove and disqualify a president from office. But it's not one or the other. It's a combined action. Removal and disqualification, not removal or disqualification. So if the Senate removes him, then it must decide if it will disqualify him from running again. Well, the Senate didn't remove Donald Trump. He's already out of office. And Dershowitz says that means senators don't have the power to disqualify. Now private citizen Donald Trump from holding office in the future. And under the Constitution, you can't impeach or remove somebody who's not in office. The impeachment power of the Senate extends only to sitting office holders. 
Not only is this impeachment trial illegal, but it poses a clear and present danger to the nation. It would set a precedent for future presidential impeachments. Think about it. What if Republicans regained a majority in the House and Senate two years from now? They could potentially try former President Barack Obama for his misdeeds, like not sending help to rescue the U.S. ambassador and others from death in Benghazi, Libya, or for allowing fast and furious guns to get into the hands of drug dealers in Mexico. Things like that. Absurd, you say? It could happen. Our founding fathers never intended for us to use impeachment in this way. And as I said earlier, we have many more urgent problems to address as a nation at this time, like ending lockdowns that are killing Americans beyond COVID-19, pandemic deaths from despair, suicide and drug overdoses reportedly could reach more than 150,000, and nearly 75% of young people between the ages of 18 and 24 are suffering from at least one mental health issue. And what about the negative effects of virtual learning on our kids? Despite living in a plugged-in society, our children are not wired to sit in front of computer screens for seven hours a day. Students who received A's and B's when they were physically present in school are now reporting they're earning D's and E's. Many are failing. I think we are failing them. But schools are starting to reopen in many places like Clark County, Nevada where in-person classes are resuming after 12 students committed suicide within 12 weeks. A total of 18 student suicides have occurred there since last March. The youngest victim was only nine years old. Nine. Folks, a vindictive impeachment trial would not solve this issue. It's time to stop playing political gotcha games. Members of Congress must roll up their sleeves and get down to business, working full-time to get us out of this mess. And instead of taking a knee in protest, let's spend more time on our knees, asking God for his help. Only by seeking him will we truly find our way home. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, soon again on Parlor, and now on MeWe. And until next time, be blessed.